2: Hi, I'm Jamie Buss, and I'm the publisher and editor-in-chief of The Tonic Magazine and producer and host of The Tonic Talk Show and podcast. I'm a former commercial litigator who used to weigh 242 pounds. When I was 38 years old, I lost over 50 pounds through a regimen of exercise and better nutrition. It took me a year to reach my goal, but I thought if a type A personality like me could do it, really anybody can. I'm still asking questions and learning about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle. Please join me on this continuing journey. Today, we'll learn about allergy prevention and coping strategies with Dr. Gordon Chang. We'll find out about proper hydration with Stacey Irvine. We'll discover the best vegetarian proteins with Shauna Lindzen. And lastly, we'll discuss the Terry Fox Ride of Hope with Daryl Fox. Before we get to that, here's your tonic quick shot of healthy headlines. According to a new study from Northwestern University, sleeping with the TV on may be more of a health risk than you think. In a sample of older men and women ages 63 to 84, those who were exposed to any amount of light while sleeping at night were significantly more likely to be obese and have high blood pressure and diabetes compared to adults who were not exposed to any light during the night. Recent research out of Israel shows that doctors exhibit less empathy at the end of their overnight shift than at the beginning and that physicians were 20-30% to 30% less likely to prescribe an analgesic drug during night shifts compared to daytime shifts, and prescribed fewer painkillers than were generally recommended by the World Health Organization. So you should make sure to see your doctor during the day. Eating a larger proportion of protein while dieting leads to better food choices and helps avoid the loss of lean body mass, according to a Rutgers study. Self-selected, slightly higher protein intake during dieting is accompanied by higher intake of green vegetables and reduced intake of refined grains and added sugar. Increasing the amount of protein even slightly from 18% of a person's food intake to 20% has a substantial impact on the quality of food choices. That was your tonic quick shot. I'll be joined by Dr. Gordon Chang in a moment. But first, a little bit of business. I'd like to give a shout-out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings, and he's a regular on the show. Welcome back, Gordon. How are you?
3: Thanks for having me on again, Jamie. Very good, thank you.
2: So we've never discussed today's talk, topic, although I have had environmental allergies since I was a young child, and I know a lot of Canadians do as well. So let's talk about that today, okay?
3: Okay. The thing about allergies, allergies is one of those funny things, Yeah. All right. I mean, you know what? We put allergies under the same, by one blanket, we try to cover everything, mm-hmm. right? There's things like as you said, environmental allergies. And environmental allergies now falls into the category of says, you know, you go outside in the springtime, you have those allergies to all the pollens in the air. You have environmental allergies. There are some people who walk around and smell perfume and and they're gasping for air, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have the environmental allergies where chemicals for most people, not a bad thing, meaning that they don't get a huge bad reaction. There are few people who have really bad reactions to those, right? Yep. Then you, some of these things that become can become what's called anaphylactic. That's the other extreme of the allergies. Yes. Right. Then you have the allergies of people who eat something, and they have it's a food allergy. Right. right? Now it's not all the same, caused by the same. How would I say this the, the same mechanism yep. it's, it's sometimes not the same mechanism, but we lump it all together, and unfortunately, a lot of us reach for this to try to find the magic bullet yep. for, the, for the same for the causative agent etc all right one of the first things I tell people if you know what you're allergic to right and it's an allergen that you know what you're allergic to just avoid it. You can't beat avoidance as a treatment uh, regimen, okay? Mm -hmm. And I I use the word treatment loosely, right? Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, I think most of us Cannot just avoid it, right? For example, if you have seasonal allergies and your job is to be on the outside, if you're driving around for a living, let's say you're the delivery guy, etc. Sure, you can't avoid the seasonal allergies. So people like that have to suffer with it.
2: Gordon, even if you know, you know my seasonal allergies in spring are horrific, and this past spring, for whatever reason, it was particularly bad, and you know, I work inside, I'm not outside and it was still impacting me. You know, like avoidance can be difficult.
3: That is true. But if you're working inside sometimes, it's a lot easier than being outside. True. Right. If you especially have like we're in North America, we're blessed. You have AC, AC is going. One of the things that people don't realize about AC is that it does filter the air. There is filters in there that filter the air. Even your house, Right, um, you know your furnace filter. Yep. That filters the air, so it takes out a lot of the allergens. But again, depending on how bad you are, how much allergens there are in the air. Right, by by that I mean the pollen grains, etc. Yeah, some of it will always be in the air. Right. So the next question is, everybody will say, "Well, okay, we have medication that we can use." Right. right. Mm-hmm. For some people, the medication. Not an option because the side effects are actually worse than the allergens themselves, right?
2: Well, you can consider me in that camp, right? Yeah. Like,
3: you know, like some people I know who will take the medication, it might help with the reaction, right? And yeah. The typically ones are the antihistamines that you get out there. But it makes them sleepy, dopey, tired, and beat up. So sometimes they say, well, which is worse, you know, sneezing or itchy eyes or the being tired and run down all day, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're stuck between a rock and a hard place with some of these things.
2: So are there natural remedies that can help with that? There
3: have, there's a lot of different things that people can use because one of the things that, that we know about the allergic response, right? It's an inflammatory response, Yep. right? So one of the things that I always try to get, tell people to do, take a lot of antioxidants. Mm-hmm right? Every single antioxidant known to man is an anti-inflammatory, right? Because one of the mechanisms of inflammation is a free radical mechanism, right? There are other mechanisms of inflammation, okay? But one of the, one of the ways that inflammation progresses is through a free radical mechanism. And if you have antioxidants, it can help stop the inflammation response, okay? okay. Mm-hmm. The downside on that is that there's a lot of other ways of getting the inflammation response, right which can be independent of the free radical mechanism so antioxidants whilst it's great it doesn't cover everything out there okay there are a few things that people will use that have found good responses with one of them is quercetin okay quercetin has shown good results for some people. Unfortunately, I'd love to say for everyone. Sometimes you have to do this by trial and error to see if it works for you. Okay. And also sometimes with the and especially, you got to take more than what's on the bottle, the recommended dose on the bottle.
2: Is it meant to be taken preventively or is it more situational?
3: Well, I tell people to take it preventatively. And the reason to do it preventatively is like, I used my analogy. In the springtime, right? Yep. if I go into a room filled with cigarette smoke, when they are allowed cigarette smoke in the room, right, mm-hmm. I would be a basket case in five minutes. I've got to get out because I'd be sneezing, itchy eyes, watery, a runny nose, etc. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime, when I don't have seasonal allergies, I can sit in one of those rooms for about an hour without having the same symptoms. And the reason for that is because in the springtime, my system is already primed. My reserve, I would say, is not there. So it just takes a little bit and it pushes me over the edge. So what I'd like to say to people, take it in a preventative way so it, your reserve's a lot higher. So it'll take a lot more to push you over the edge. Got it. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is why I, I strongly suggest as a preventative.
2: What else might help?
3: Uh, another thing that people use would be stinging nettles. hmm Stinging nettles is definitely one of those things that I I strongly recommend. Again, they've shown some good results with it, but again, it's like anything else. Everybody's a little bit different. When I make recommendations like that, people run out and they may go out and buy some stinging nettles, buy some quercetin, and invariably somebody's going to come and say, but it didn't work. I say, well, it's not for everybody, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like, you know, there are people who have a headache and you give them a Tylenol and they say, oh doesn't work for me. I need an Advil. An Advil seems to work for them, right? So, you know, everybody's individual biochemistry is a little bit different, right? One of the things I also recommend for allergy season is prior to when the allergies kick in, and I'm talking about seasonal allergies now, right? Do a liver detox, right? Because what I find is that because the liver is one of those organs that helps get rid of toxins or help you deal with toxins. And allergens are like toxins or they generate toxins, right? So if you prime the system by cleaning it out first, your system works a little bit better. And if your system works a little bit better, it handles the allergens or the products of the allergens, handles it better. So your reaction is not as strong, right? So definitely do a detox, a liver detox before the allergy season starts. Okay.
2: What about vitamins?
3: Vitamins, there are things that I would suggest, things like vitamin C, right? Again, vitamin C is one of those that that's been around and has shown good results, right? Vitamin D also, mm-hmm. right? So those are some of the ones that you take. There are people who will say that you don't need that much vitamin C because you get a lot of it in our foods and so on. And I will agree with them for day-to-day stuff, right? Like okay. if I don't, for example, If I don't have scurvy, right, I can get away by taking the RDA of vitamin C, which is roughly 60 milligrams, right, if I'm otherwise healthy, right? But if I have a problem like scurvy, I definitely need more. So there's a treatment dose and what's called the maintenance dose. When you're dealing with seasonal allergies, you definitely need to go into the treatment doses. So you need much higher doses than what's called the RDA. So people take anywhere from 1,000 milligrams, and if you believe in Linus Paulin, you're going as high as 20,000 milligrams plus. Hmm. Right? I don't advocate 20,000 milligrams plus, by the way.
2: Yeah, doesn't it go right through your system anyways, like
0: vitamin yeah, C? Yeah,
3: it does go out of your system. But one of the things is if you take high doses of vitamin C, you may be sitting on the porcelain throne for a while. Got and it. that's because you have to build what's called bowel tolerance to the vitamin C. So don't start off at 20,000 milligrams, which is 20 grams right? Mm. You know, especially if it's something that's seasonal allergies, which for a lot of us doesn't last all summer, but there, I know there are some of us who, who do have it and it lasts all summer, right? So again, try some moderation, increase your intake, but don't get re- extreme and ridiculous about it.
2: Can probiotics help?
3: Probiotics also help. Those, I would use probiotics for people who have what they call food allergies, Okay. Right? One of the things with food allergies, probiotics does seem to, because it moderates or changes the type of bacteria in there and it changes the chemical environment in the large intestine, right? And that seems to help with some of the body's reaction to food allergies, right? But again, you know, it's trial and error. You have to try and see. I wish there was some magic wand that I could wave over people and say, this is it, right? Another thing that people have used for things like food allergies is digestive enzymes, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea with digestive enzymes is that what they will do, they will break down the food that can potentially cause allergies to break it down into a final form before it actually can trigger the allergies, right? You know, so that's something that you could take with your meals. And now I don't advocate if you are a um, anaphylactic, say you're anaphylactic to peanuts, to so take peanuts and, and wash it down with, with digestive enzymes. No, 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 Don't do that, right? Yeah. But there are people who have allergies in the sense that they take it and it may break out into hives, right? So for those people, yeah, definitely give that a try because there's no alternative other than taking a, an antihistamine before you eat. I had a cousin who was allergic to almost everything known to man and then some under the sun, food wise. Mm-hmm. So, before she had go out for dinner anywhere, the first thing she would do is pop two antihistamines, right? Yeah. And then go eat. Right. right? Yeah. You know, and thankfully she grew out of that situation.
2: That can happen. I mean, my son is anaphylactic and there's a variety of things that can set him off. And you really can't use antihistamines because it masks the possible onset of an attack. So they actually tell you not to do that because sometimes there's like an echo once the first attack occurs. So he just has to keep away from those foods. There's no two ways about it. Oh,
3: definitely. I just say avoidance, as I said, primarily if you know what you're allergic to, avoidance is number one right? Mm -hmm. But as I said, sometimes you just don't know, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and so these are some of the things that you can use to treat it. And some other things that people do is take omega-3 fish oil, for example, Hmm. because of its anti-inflammatory effect. Got it. Mm -hmm. Now, I I don't want people to think that omega-3s work instantly because, you know, like you pop an antihistamine or you take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and it works almost right away fish oil doesn't work right away. It's not going to, like if you have achy joints, for example, from inflammation, you you go and take fish oil and it's going to stop it right away. No, it doesn't. This is something that you take as a preventative over time. Okay. There are things that you can also do like maritime pine bark extract, right? Grape seed extract, all those things. Those are antioxidants, right? So I'm circling back to the antioxidants because the antioxidant, the free radical mechanism, is one of the major mechanisms of inflammation, and a lot of these, a lot of these allergic responses, is a result of inflammation. Right. So, living living on antioxidants for seasonal allergies or even food allergies is not a bad thing. Right. Uh, what I would do for antioxidants, take a lot, a big variety. Right. Because not all antioxidants are the same and not every single antioxidant quenches every single free radical.
2: Sound advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
3: Well, thank you for having me on board today.
2: That was Dr. Gordon Chang. For more information about his business, visit omegaalpha.ca. For great health and wellness interviews and articles, you can visit thetonic.ca. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss proper hydration on The Tonic. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely Natural Liquid Greens. If you're looking for premium natural products, choose New Roots Herbal. Proudly Canadian and family-owned for over 35 years. What really sets them apart is their dedication to quality. They source only the highest quality ingredients and test each one in a state-of-the-art ISO-accredited lab. You get the purity and potency you expect. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. To learn more or find a store near you, visit newrootsherbal.com.
1: Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson.
2: Dr. Stacy Irvine, D.C., is the co-founder of Totem Life Science. The philosophy and identity of Totem have been greatly influenced by Stacy's love of athletics and her passionate belief that everyone will benefit from a healthy, active lifestyle in their own unique way. Through her work as a chiropractor and strength and conditioning specialist, Dr. Irvine's clientele ranges from beginners, just starting out on an exercise program to elite and professional athletes looking for advanced rehabilitation and training program strategies. She's a frequent guest on the show. Welcome back. How are you, my friend?
4: I'm great. Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
2: Yeah. So today is one of those hot, muggy Toronto (laughs) days. Where your dog looks up at you yeah. and, when in the middle of the walk and says, "Really, dude? This is what we're doing now? Can, Can we, we please, please go, go home? home? Can yes. we go home?" And yes. you know, and I'm the jerky dog owner who didn't like bring the water because I thought it was a short walk.
4: Right. The tongue is dragging on the sidewalk. Can yeah,
2: m- mine up? and hers. Yeah. So, so let's talk about hydration because it's time to talk about hydration, Stacy. All right. It's, so,
4: it's such a good topic. I'm so happy that you brought this one up because, as we all know. Days are getting hotter and it's something that used to be, we used to talk about it a lot and then it, I think it kind of went out of fashion and yeah. and we really need to revisit this topic and we really need to think about it a bit more in a scientific way and figure out how to make the most of it.
2: Yeah. Okay. So like not to scare the hell out of everybody, but what happens if you don't consider hydration? Like what are some of the things that can happen, right?
4: <laughs> well, you can die.
2: Yeah. Literally, right? <laughs> yeah.
4: So it is called the elixir of life water. And let's go back to that statistic that our bodies are 60% water. 60. It, 60. Okay. It's it's important to know, you know yeah. that that's kind of the general feeling. Everybody's different, our requirements are all a little different, but let's just all resolve ourselves to the fact that our bodies always need water. We are made up of water. The more water we have, the better we perform. And so when you say what happens when you don't get it, you know, everything goes downhill. And we also know that we can survive without food for many days without water, not many days, and sometimes without water hours, depending if you're in the heat or not. So it's crucial and it's super important.
2: Yeah. And here's a little trick. If you feel like you're thirsty, You're already dehydrated. By the the time you notice it, you're already well along to being dehydrated. So listen to your body. Mm -hmm. If you feel thirsty, deal with it.
4: Well, and the problem is, is our thirst mechanism, especially in today's society, doesn't do us any favors. Right. And as we get older, it gets worse. Yep. And that's a big problem because we really do require water for so many things. It's our energy level. Yep. It's our metabolism. So if you're not drinking enough water, you are more susceptible to weight gain. And basically, your body can't do all the things that all the miraculous things that our bodies do for us. They can't do it when we're dehydrated very well. And that's a huge problem in your day to day life. So, you know, to me, if when we're working with our athletes, that's an obvious easy thing is that 100 percent make sure you're hydrated all the time because fundamentally you're going to have a better performance when you're hydrated and yeah. again we've studied that on many different levels and that is absolutely true but for the rest of us just trying to get through our days being dehydrated makes us tired it gives us a headache it makes our joints sore why do we want those things to happen
2: it tricks us into thinking that we're hungry too it right does. A, a lot of the time you think you're hungry but actually you may be thirsty. It's an interesting yes, phenomenon. It
4: really is. And and that's kind of one of the reasons we want to really ensure we're hydrated and always kind of have it. We've got to build it into our habits. Okay. That's the bottom line.
2: All right. So let's focus a little bit more on if you're doing an activity. I think we've established it's important to keep hydrated. Now, I'm the type of person. Uh, how should I put this? TMI. I'm a big sweater. Okay, so yeah. I really like clean up on aisle four. You got to do a right. huge wipe down. Right. Okay, because I really put myself into it. So I'm very cognizant of of replacing water during the workout. Yes. But you should be doing it before and after too, right? Like, what's what's important if, yes. if for the weekend warriors out there.
4: Okay, that's a great question, and you're in good company with the sweating, especially today, and and many people think that's an indication of being healthy and an indication of a great metabolism. So, good for you. That's cool. great. First thing we need to do is realize the minute we wake up, we're dehydrated. Yep. So, to me, one of the most important times to hydrate is first thing in the morning. Now, here's the good news. Coffee works, tea works, all the things that we drink— during the day count, with the exception of sugary junk food drinks. Yeah. We don't count those, okay? So what's a good plan? So you wake up in the morning, I'll give you an example of what I do. I have two cups of coffee and then I pour myself a huge glass of water. I don't love water, yeah. so I have to add lemon to it. I have a sugar-free kind of lemonade. I add a bit. That makes the water tolerable to me. I carry it around with me as I get ready, as I yell at my kids to get off to school. That glass is just follows me around the house. Some people use is a water bottle. Yep. And th- to me, that's a strategy that has always worked. I never start my day without that, no matter where I am. Now, during the day, generally, if you think about you have lunch, you drink another glass of water at lunch. Hopefully, you're having some fresh fruit and some vegetables. You're getting some water from that. And then where it can fall off the rails is in the afternoon because we get busy doing what we're doing. And, you know, all of us have experienced that kind of three o'clock, four o'clock. Why am I so tired? Why am I so hungry? Chances are you're dehydrated. And a really good strategy for that is wherever you're working or whatever you're doing, again, have that water bottle with you and just take regular sips of it during the day. If you hate water, you got to come up with something easy to add to it.
2: You're not the first person who's come on the show and talking about hating water. <laughs> and to my mind, like I, I, that never even occurred to me. Yeah, but it's a thing. I, I guess it is, because you're not alone. Yeah. And I do something incredibly perverse. I schedule my workouts at 3 or 4 in the afternoon at the right. absolute lull because, number one, Amazing. it gives me energy. But, number yeah. two, it reminds me to hydrate at that right. time of day when you usually wouldn't.
1: Yes. Right? It's I, kind of I weird. I like
2: that
4: strategy. No, I, I think that's a good strategy. That's when Olympic athletes generally work out. Is oh, that well, there afternoon. you go.
2: Nobody so, has ever confused me for an Olympic so you're athlete. you're on to
4: something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you asked about activity to it, and, yeah. and that's an important one. So what we want to do is recognize what's our environment. It's a lot different being inside in air conditioning to being, you know, outside on the tennis course or the golf course. And that's really, you know, a game changer. You want to be taking sips of water, but you also really need to kind of be monitoring your sweating and how hot you are. And I always encourage people, you know, at some point, maybe you need to take a break inside and maybe you need to just kind of go chill out for 10 minutes. I actually do this with my dogs, even if we're out on a hot day, our walks are long, like two hours. So this works for people who hike anything I'll stop into a bank, like, you know, the little station there because it's air conditioned. I'll just sit there, you know, I'll check my messages on my phone for a couple of minutes. We cool off. I'll drink some water and then back on our way. But we do need to be strategic in this kind of heat because this is where the problems happen. And if you sweat a lot... You need to be aware of that and you need to have a strategy.
2: Right. And if you're a heavy sweater, it isn't just the water, it's the electrolytes and the salt that you need to replace too, because because that's what's coming out in the sweat, right? Exactly.
4: And so that's where we run into problems and that's where we can get into this thing of, Too much hydration. We've all probably heard about the marathon runners and things like that, where all of a sudden they just pass out. You know, there are signs of that. But what's happening there is that you're drinking water, but you're not keeping your electrolytes up. And in particular, sodium. Sodium needs to be balanced if you're sweating a lot and you're in a hot environment and you're drinking lots of water. Our sodium levels are well controlled by our body. It is, you know, kind of a perfect system if we're doing things properly. But when we're in an extreme situation like a marathon, you know, it could be a long tennis match. We've seen that happen to these players where all of a sudden they're kind of wiped out. We want to be replacing the electrolytes. Now, the key to this is... Get away from the sugar. Right. The sugar does you no favors and you don't need it. It's because, what we'll go back to people not liking water, they like those sugar drinks. Right. So we want to find a drink, and there's lots of great ones out there that has some electrolytes with no sugar. Some of them now have stevia as a sweetener, which is a bit better. And one thing that I always do too, kind of for those of us that are weekend warriors and doing general activity, lots of them come in a powder and they say one scoop. You don't need a whole scoop. That's part of food marketing to say, you know, use as much as possible. I might just have my water with a quarter of a scoop and that gets me some electrolytes and that makes me feel good.
2: Sounds good. So do we care about what temperature the water is?
4: It's an interesting question. There is a lot of research on this. I think on a hot day cold is good because it's going to help you stay cool. I would drink part of it and dump part of it on my head. Really. Okay. So I
2: I don't do the dump on the head, but there's a spot at the back of your neck.
4: Yes.
3: Perfect. Right. So like, if you don't
2: have a ton of water, what I sometimes do is just put some on my hand and I just, it's at the back of your neck and you can actually modulate your temperature just with that one spot on your body. Right. Am I right about that? Yes,
4: Yes. You're right. Anything that cools you off. And so I think cold water is great for that. And then during the day, any temperature is great, but as much water as possible.
2: Sip or gulp, does it really matter?
4: Does it really <laughs> I, matter? Uh, it doesn't really, but I like the idea of sipping. It's like, yeah. it's just yeah, part yeah. of kind of making sure we do things in moderation, we stay healthy. That is the key. So so I'm a sipper, and I think it's just more realistic during the day because you're kind of walking around. Usually we're multitasking, right. like, you know, to be honest. So be safe, take lots of sips of water, and you're going to be doing Fantastic.
2: Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. That was Stacy Irvine. For more information about Stacy, visit totem.ca. For great articles on health and wellness, visit thetonic.ca. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on the tonic. The tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca.
1: Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson.
2: My next guest, Shauna Lindzen, is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. And you can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalindzen.com. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing well. So I think you know, you know, I continue to be on and have been for a long time conducting a wellness journey. Yeah. Part of that has to do with my weight and the way I consume food. And I find myself today in a place where I do not eat as much red meat as I used to. And I think a lot of people are making that choice but they don't know how to replace the protein that is so necessary. Can you help us with that today?
5: Yes. And do you know what? It's a trend. Like People are trending toward more plant-based eating. And if you're a plant-based eater, it doesn't mean that you have to eat fully vegetarian. You can still incorporate meat, fish, poultry, but it's really important to recognize that there are some really good plant-based protein sources. Out
2: there, yeah, I, I mean, before we get into those plant-based proteins, like you know people sometimes cut out protein as you know once they made the decision that they're not having red meat, then they actually drop the ball and they don't have protein and I think before we get to the types of proteins that are available, I think it's important to understand that particularly as we age, getting bioavailable protein is actually a crucial aspect of your health so
5: Absolutely, especially for continue muscle building, exactly m- muscle repair. If you have surgeries or you have sicknesses, protein is a, an essential nutrient that we need. So if you cut it out, it's your body's really going to suffer.
2: And not only that, in these days of inflation and food costs going through the roof, like a lot of these options are quite inexpensive.
5: They're cost effective. I totally agree. And with all inflation, even if if the prices rise, they're never going to be as high as the animal protein sources. They're a lot less expensive.
1: So, So
2: let's talk about some of them. Where should we start?
5: Let's start with beans and lentils. So when we say the word legume or pulse, people don't really know what the definition is. So A legume is any plant that includes leaves, stems, and pods. So an example of that would be a pea pod. Mm -hmm. So it's like in its whole form. And then when we talk about pulses, they're the edible seed from the legume plant. So an example, as I mentioned, would be beans or lentils or peas. So it's the little pea inside the plant.
2: Got it. All right. So what are some of the high-protein options that are vegetarian? Obviously, we, we've we tipped our hand here. We're going to talk about... Let's talk about them, yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about those yeah, peas, Yeah. Actually,
5: I looked up, there's 16,000 legumes, but the okay. most popular ones that you're going to see in the grocery store mm-hmm. are things like chickpeas, peanuts, black beans, green peas, lima beans, kidney beans, black-eyed peas, navy beans. So these are ones that we should be choosing often,
2: these varieties. Okay. Now, my understanding, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you're the dietitian and I am not. These vegetarian-based proteins have to be eaten in conjunction with other products in order for them to create the protein that our body needs.
5: Yes, good point. So what happens is our bodies, when we eat a legume, it's missing one of the amino acids that some of them are, that you need to combine with a starch. But that is, you don't have to eat them at the same time. You literally just have to eat them within the same day. So an example is, if you have a lentil or a legume at lunch, and then at dinner you have rice, you're okay.
2: But you know what, rice and beans are so good, right? right. I mean, I and, and, tradi- Canada, and traditionally, right? So, so all these <laughs> all these old heads had it right, right? Like rice and beans,
5: they come together. They come yeah.
2: together. They're delicious, and they can replace the meat. So
5: exactly. And I think when you think about how am I going to incorporate these different protein sources into my diet, the first thing I want to talk through is how do you find them in the store, right? Right. Yeah. So they come in many different varieties. You can get frozen beans or legumes, you can get canned, you can get dried, Mm -hmm. you can get ones that are ground into flour, like chickpea flour, for instance. Mm -hmm. You can get them split, like a split pea. So there are so many varieties And there are so many uses for the varieties.
1: So
2: I've come to it like, you know, it's hard to find fresh beans, although you can. Like at certain times of the year, for example, you can find fresh Romano beans and and maybe sometimes fresh chickpeas. But Mm -hmm. the ones that taste the best are, to my mind, are the dried ones that get reconstituted yourself, right? And they're they're very cost efficient. They're just more very cost efficient. But they're just time consuming and or labor consuming they
5: are to some extent like if you have the instant pot or yeah. slow cookers you can just throw them in and then discard the water and then Ooh. and it's to soften them up is actually if you do it yourself you really get used to it cuz they have a different texture when you cook them 100%. yourself compared yep. to the can but I always say I like to buy the canned ones because I actually, I know the texture they're yeah. going to be. They're always consistent in the can. So and, I don't mind that. And
2: convenient too. I mean, And
5: convenient, w- exactly.
2: Naomi has been getting these dried beans from the U.S. There's this company that has all these artisanal beans, which are absolutely incredible, but not cheap. And a pain to bring up to Canada because they charge an arm and a leg for. Oh. It's to the point where like three families have to get together to, to, to justify the cost of shipping <laughs> them of shipping them up here. But the beans are phenomenal. How do you cook with these beans? Because we well, have them so many times a week. That's actually we...
5: music to my ears. That you guys eat a lot of that because yeah. it's really high in fiber, different nutrients, protein. So when you do purchase a dry bean, you reconstitute them. There are a lot of different websites that you can look up how long to cook the different bean. Like one of them is lentils.org. They have, yeah. they actually have really good recipes. So moving into how do we cook them, I like to add them to salads, to soups, or just eat them on their own. My daughter loves to open a can of chickpeas, put, rinse them off, put them in a bowl, and just chow down on them. So I like them more with like a pesto sauce or a vinaigrette, but they lend themselves really well to salads as like a last minute meal. Mm-hmm. And I also bake with them. Like I'll make a black bean brownie. I have a great recipe. I think it's by Chocolate Covered Katie that I use That is a, it's a brownie recipe that's gluten free. It's vegan and it's got a whole can of black beans in it. Wow. And they're actually not bad Like because beans are pretty neutral in flavor. So when you cook with them, you are adding in either the savory
2: or the sweet. So I'm going to throw in some stuff that we do. So black beans caramelize really nicely. Yes. And uh, I'll bake a sweet potato in salt, open it up, and then put sort of black beans that have been caramelized with Mexican peppers in and grate some cheese on it and it is Do you know
5: what would be fantastic with that an enchilada sauce? Sure. Yeah, yep. drizzled on. And enchilada sauce is really easy to make. Just look up a recipe for which spices go in. Yep. But I love that. That's so full of fiber and beta carotene and just all the good nutrients for you. So that's a great lunch. Like bake up a sweet potato throw the beans on. You can even saute them with thyme and garlic to give them a little boost of flavor. So it's such an, it's like a canvas, right? Like you have a blank canvas with the beans and then you just throw in your different flavors.
2: We go beans and greens too. So Naomi bakes sourdough bread quite regularly. We'll toast Mm -hmm. it up and then we'll saute, uh, you know, Italian style beans with kale. I'm coming uh, over. And, yeah. and, you know, you have that with great, a little bit of Parmesan on top. And that can be a very satisfying meal, even in the winter. Right. Yeah, like,
5: and, and you can infuse something tomato into
2: there. Like a hundred percent. There's all yeah. yeah like we, we've done that. Like we're all take pancetta, saute it and then put the beans in with uh, leeks and kale and tomato, which is phenomenal. You're as making well.
5: me hungry. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And no, we cook and with a lot of beans.
5: Do you know what's interesting with that, that? Jamie? Nutritionally, the iron in the beans, it's a non-heme iron because it's not from animal product. So if you add in something with vitamin C, like the tomatoes, you're boosting the iron absorption. So if you need more iron in your diet, that's a fantastic way to get it.
2: Yeah. I'm not a zealot. You know, I still like a good steak every now and then, and we, Mm -hmm. we have chicken and fish. But honestly, I would say four to five nights a week, we're cooking meatless dinners, which is something like if you had asked me 10 years ago wouldn't have been the case.
5: I really like that Jamie because we really I really advocate for more plant-based meals. It's very healthy and it's cost-efficient.
2: For all those reasons, I get a gold star, right?
5: Absolutely. I'm coming over for dinner.
2: Absolutely. We got to have you over soon, neighbor.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Thanks for coming on the show today.
5: Thanks for having me.
2: For more information about Shauna, you can visit Shaunalinzen.com We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's Unflavored, which is great with orange juice the mint flavor is cool and refreshing dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad but with a great chocolate taste and for that extra detox boost try activated charcoal and mint enjoy the energy enjoy the detox enjoy the great taste purely natural liquid greens suffering with pain or arthritis having trouble sleeping due to stress and anxiety Understand the benefits of medical cannabis science. OptiCant CB4 relief soft gels are formulated with patented Bezosorb pharmaceutical technology and are clinically proven to deliver four and a half times more CBD into your bloodstream three times faster than conventional CBD capsules. That's reliable relief in a nutshell and in an Optican soft gel. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist and sign up at OptiCantWithTwoNs.ca. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com.
1: Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. In
2: 1980, when he was just 17 years old, Daryl Fox joined his older brother Terry Fox, along with Terry's best friend Doug Alward, on his iconic Marathon of Hope. A passionate fundraiser and cancer research advocate, Daryl has played an active role in fostering Terry's legacy in Canada and beyond as senior advisor and board member at the Terry Fox Research Institute. Welcome to the show, Daryl.
0: How are you? It's uh, great to be here. Thanks. Uh, I'm just fine, Jamie.
2: So we're going to talk about another event, which is a little bit different. We're going to talk about the Ride of Hope. So what inspired you to start the
0: Ride of Hope? Well, it actually originated seven years ago when uh, a friend of mine, we were planning to participate in the Mount uh, Terry Fox Trek. It was a hike, hike up uh, Mount Terry Fox. This is based in just uh, uh, north of Valmont, B.C. Mm-hmm. And so we were thinking, well, why don't we just ride there? As we had an interest in, in bikes as well at that time. So um, we thought it's the 35th anniversary. Why don't we ride 350K? Fortunately, uh, four friends caught wind of what we were planning to do and decided to join us. Otherwise, I think Brandon and I would still be riding our bikes because (laughs) we were not prepared. We didn't bring any support vehicle. We didn't bring any food or refreshments. So we enjoyed the experience so much. We would stop every 35K and and read a a quote of Terry's, and we thought, gee, this is worth a a do-over. So the Terry Fox Ride of Hope was born, and we've been doing a long ride every year since. Uh, we added 10K and in the second year. We did 360 kilometers. We added the fundraising component. The first year, we didn't raise any money, but in year two, we did. We raised 50000 And uh, last year, we rode 410 kilometers and raised close to $90,000.
2: Fantastic. So how is the ride different from other Terry Fox events?
0: Well, it is a ride. So, um, you know yeah. what I've Duh. found that is quite interesting <laughs> is that obviously the Terry Fox Run is is prominent and will always exist. Uh, people love to get out there and su- and and support uh, uh, cancer research in Terry's name, and that's what Terry did. But there are people that ride bikes, and I'm one of them who has gravitated from running to riding because the body isn't what it used to be. Tell me about so it. The bike is uh, allows for that activity, and it's an incredible community. The biking community, they're very generous, they're very giving, and uh, it's really been wonderful getting to know them over the last uh, seven years as we launched this activity.
2: So what do you need to do in order to participate? Can anybody participate, or do you have to have a requisite level of fitness? What are your thoughts?
0: Well, I think um, our ride is, is, yes, it's quite out there, um, and we're not expecting people to ride 360K. You, You choose the experience, the ride of your choice. It could be 10K, it could be 42K, the 42nd anniversary this year. Um, It really is up up to you to decide on the experience you want to establish for yourself. And you know, we don't. It isn't. uh, We're not uh, looking at it being a mass event like other events out there with thousands of people. We want it to be a really intimate experience where people are coming together and helping one another. I mean, that's what happens with our ride. We're we're riding a long way, so we really have have to support each other, and that's exactly what what happens uh, during the Terry Fox Ride of Hope. And I think it's. Consistent with what Terry did in 1980, you know, he said, I'm just one member of the Marathon of Hope. I need people to support, support uh, my efforts and, and what I'm doing. And that's exactly what Canadians did. They, got, they rallied behind him, they gave, and they came out on the road and supported him. And that's what we do as a team. You know, it's a team of 20 to 25 riders that get together and support cancer research in the process. Sorry,
2: I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant. Do people curate their own rides? Is that what you're saying? So you can decide, like, where you're going and how you're going, etc.
0: Yeah, you can choose your own activity, your your ride. You know, this year we're, we've expanded beyond just our ride, which will take place here in the Lower Mainland, uh, starting at Terry Fox, Hometown Square, in the hometown of Port Coquitlam. So people could choose to ride. In their community, choose a, a distance that they prefer, and they can register at TerryFox.org at, on the Terry Fox Ride a whole page.
2: Okay, is there anything more to it to get involved? I said, like, do you have to commit to raising a certain amount of money, or or is it just you know like whatever comes in is, is all gravy?
0: Well, you know, if we reflect back to to 1980, Jamie, what did Terry ask for? He didn't ask for ten dollars, a hundred dollars. He asked for a dollar from every Canadian. We've remained true to that value and that wish 42 years later. So um, there is never a set registration fee to participate in any Terry Fox activity. But what we do encourage is people to ask for donations. And the online fundraising platform is is great for that. Uh, So we encourage people to register for the ride, create their ride, and then solicit donations from family and friends.
2: Okay, so I guess you could say the ride is occurring all over Canada then, right? Like, it's not just in one place. It's everywhere, right?
0: It could be everywhere, which, uh, again, Jamie, is consistent with the annual Terry Fox Run. I You know, there are over 800 Terry Fox Runs across the country, and if you add all the school events, we're approaching 10,000. So, you know, it is an inclusive event, and that's what we want to see with the Ride of Hope. We want people to do their own thing in, in their community and reach out to... To those they ride with or associate with, to see if they'll join them as well.
2: What are your hopes in terms of like? What do you hope to achieve from this ride? Obviously, your fundraising, but I'm sure there's a bigger picture to it as well.
0: Well, that is the the big picture, I think, Jamie. I mean, it's all about. if I remember 1980. It was all about raising more money. You know, I remember Terry. This was post Toronto, and he had a huge event, and people were out in force. And he was asked, "What do you? What do you hope?" will be gained from all this attention and profile. And he said, more money. Okay. Um, it was all about fundraising. That's why we exist today, because we want to eradicate cancer once and for all. We've come a long way over the last 42 years of raising money, but we're still on that road and that journey. And there's a long way still to go. So it's all about raising more money. But I also like the idea of you know the, the story of Terry Fox, that one person can make a difference. Terry ran 42 kilometers every day, 443 days in a row. It defies logic. I was there in 1980. I witnessed it. I witnessed a miracle. And to this day, I cannot find the right words to articulate what Terry accomplished in 1980. So, you know, it, that is the message that we also want to share, that, you know, anything is possible if you try. If you, you try your very best, you're capable of fulfilling all your dreams.
2: So how do you feel that the Ride of Hope pays tribute to Terry's legacy then? How does it fit in?
0: Well, I think it fits in in well. Um, You know, I'm reflecting back. Yes, Terry chose to run across the country. Right. But he also rode a bike. I remember, you know, the Peugeots and and the Raleigh bike that Terry and older brother Fred had. And uh, they were able to purchase these bikes from picking berries over the course, blueberries, over the course of a summer. He loved to ride. That was also an interest of his. And so I think it also is another activity, and it's about moving. I think that using the analogy of, you know, we're we're moving cancer research forward, that's the activity that Terry chose in 1980 was to move forward, to take another step. And that's what we're doing, I think, to this day with this new activity with the Terry Fox Fight of Hope.
2: Okay, you know, we've talked about raising funds, which is obviously a great positive thing to do, but I think when people give, they want to understand better how the funds are going to be used. Can you sort of explain what happens to the funds and and where it's all going?
0: Yeah, so the Terry Fox Foundation is the organization that is very well known for raising the funds. The Terry Fox Research Institute perhaps is a a less known entity that is responsible for allocating the dollars raised in in Terry's name, and it's a very sophisticated, world-renowned process involving peer review. So uh, researchers, not from here in Canada, but internationally are responsible for reviewing the proposals for research that are received from major centers across the country. And one of our key focuses here at the Terry Fox Research Institute is team science, Again, Terry was all about bringing people together, and that's what we focus on with the dollars that we allocate is bringing researchers together, different disciplines, to tackle a cancer issue or a cancer question. And one of the challenges we continue to face you know, 42 years later is that we lack the resources. The proposals we receive far outnumber the dollars we have to spend. So it's, it is an ongoing challenge for us. But, um, you know, progress has been made in the fight against cancer. The story I always share is the the of cancer that Terry was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma. Uh, When he was diagnosed in 1977, he was told he had a 20 to 30% chance of living. If he were diagnosed today, he'd have closer to a 70% chance of living. And there is a possibility his leg would not have been amputated. So that's pretty powerful. I mean, I I know it uh, cannot change how cancer has touched my life personally. But I know with every Mooney and Feeney we raise today, we are changing lives in the future. And, and that's uh, that was the Terry Fox message. You know, I can't change how cancer has touched my life, but I can have an impact on the future. And that's what we do with every dollar we raise today.
2: Fantastic. If people are interested in participating or donating, where should they go?
0: Yeah, visit uh, Terryfox.org and uh, you'll you should find very quickly the Terry Fox Ride a Hope page. You'll see the events that are taking place across the country this year and feel free to join one if it's in your hood. If not please create your own ride and, it, and again you don't need numbers and just go out with a few friends or on your own and uh, and sign up and raise some money. It'll be great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure thanks Jamie.
2: Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Dr. Gordon Chang, Stacey Irvine, Shauna Lindzen, and Daryl Fox. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The July-August issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our new website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson
0: wishing you a healthy and happy week.